Welcome to the Fan Experience, a Phoenix Rising supporters podcast. Stick around for interviews, analysis, fan stories, and our love affair with Phoenix Rising. And now to kick things off is your host, Niall McCarthy. Phoenix Rising family, thank you for joining us. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Very excited to introduce a new segment in today's show, a monthly roundup from a longtime Phoenix Rising supporter, Dominic Kearns. I was a big fan of Dom and the rest of his crew when the Rising as One podcast was active, and I'm delighted to have him join us. He has a great voice, excellent insights, and I'm sure you'll enjoy his roundup for Phoenix Rising in the month of March. Our boys, Phoenix Rising, suffered another shocking loss last weekend, and we'll get into that, but it wasn't as shocking as some results from the World Cup qualifiers over the last few days. In Africa, no African teams have yet qualified, and Ivory Coast, former Phoenix Rising captain Didier Drogba's beloved home nation, are out of contention. On the other hand, another former Phoenix Rising captain, Solomon Asante, he's going to be happy that his home nation of Ghana still have a chance to qualify. Over to Europe and all of the usual suspects have qualified except Italy after their shocking defeat to North Macedonia. North Macedonia, good luck finding that on Worldle. In South America, Argentina, Brazil, Uruguay and Ecuador are in while Peru, Colombia and Chile have yet to qualify. In North America, Central America and the Caribbean, the CONCACAF group of nations, Canada are in, while Mexico, the US and Costa Rica are still in contention. Both Mexico and the US require only a draw in their games this week to qualify. We're feeling pretty good about that. What we're not feeling good about is Phoenix Rising's loss to San Diego Loyal on March 26th. We expected a home win, especially given that San Diego had a tough midweek game which they lost to FC Tulsa 1-0. Last week on this show we talked about how they had the most expensive signing in the USL, striker Kyle Vassell. Well, he showed up for them with a goal in Phoenix. To review that game, we've got Kelly McCarthy and a very special guest, a San Diego Loyal supporter, Tony Sanchez. I know we're taking a risk when we bring on an analyst from our opponent's team, but we don't play it safe on this pod. There's no fun in that. Tony hosts a fantastic show you can find on YouTube and on your favorite podcast platform. The show is called Two Balls and a Mic. Check it out, especially if you love San Diego Loyal. John Morrissey, he's at USL Tactics on Twitter, joins us with his regular segment, bringing us results and news that matter to Phoenix Rising fans. No big news this week, but definitely big results for us to pay attention to, so check out John's segment for that. To round off the show today, we'll have a preview of our next match where we take on San Antonio in San Antonio. And I need to let you know that we have two very special guests lined up to do the game roundup next week. Josh Eastern, the play-by-play announcer for Phoenix Rising Games, will be on the broadcast on ESPN Plus and Bally Sports Arizona announcing the game. And then he's going to join us and tell us what he really thinks. It's going to be awesome. Josh will be joined by John Morrissey. You know him as a tactics guy, a regular on the show, but having him on for a game roundup is new. It's incredible, and I'm so excited. Please tell your friends they're going to love it too. Okay, well that's next week. This week, right now, it's the Game Roundup with Tony Sanchez. Let's go. 
What's up, football-loving maniacs? This is Devin Kerr, and you're listening to The Fan Experience. Phoenix Rising family on Saturday, March 26th, Phoenix Rising hosted San Diego Loyal. It was our second straight loss and our first home loss in 20 games. The final score was two goals to Phoenix and three goals from the visitors. I have two fantastic panelists joining me today to talk about the game. Giving shout outs to Phoenix Rising is Kelly McCarthy. Kelly, welcome to the show. And from sunny San Diego, a San Diego Loyal supporter is Tony Sanchez from the Two Balls on a Mic show. Tony, welcome. I'd love you to kick us off by asking you to set the scene for us from the perspective of San Diego Loyal. Well, thank you, uh, Niall, for inviting me and uh, thank you for inviting me into the space. Yes, my name is Tony Sanchez here from San Diego. And I do some coverage for the team on our podcast. And uh, we do a roundup and leading up to this Phoenix Rising game, you know, it's an incredibly important game. Phoenix Rising is pretty much the benchmark and has been the benchmark of USL in the West and in the USL championship in general. So whenever you face a team uh, with such import, it's, it's required to be the best and be as good a team as you have been. So coming into this San Diego uh, loyal game versus Phoenix Rising in Arizona at Wild Horse Pass, uh, it wasn't looking too good for San Diego loyal, uh, seeing as their performance in Tulsa led to them getting zero points uh, in the game where they should have at least won by two goals, in my opinion. Um, but Leading into this uh, Phoenix game, it's a it's a game that's marked on our calendars here in San Diego. Some say it's a rivalry. Some say, mainly from Phoenix, that it's not. Um, but you know, that's just how rivalries in themselves start. And I think there's enough uh, energy and 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 uh, tension between supporters, teams, and themselves. You know, the uh, Rick Schantz, You have Landon Donovan and everything that happened a couple of years ago. So. It's an interesting game that, you know, obviously even ESPN wanted to circle on their calendar by having to be on the national broadcast. Um, but it, it was it was leading up to it. It was an important game that San Diego Loyal needed to win for them to get some points on this first chance to prove themselves on the road. Them starting 2-0 and at home, um, but now dropping down to 3-1 and uh, overall in this beginning of the season 2022. Thank you for that background, Tony. And yeah, we definitely go all out. Our fans are very passionate when it comes to playing San Diego Loyal. So yeah, I think it's a rivalry. Kelly, your opening comments. Well, I definitely think it's a rivalry. And anyone who's saying it's not a rivalry is just not too happy with, you know, the way the games are shaking out. So, I mean, I think we all knew this was going to be a rough match. I mean, collectively, fans and players, I think, seemed rattled by the loss to the Las Vegas Lights a week earlier on Saturday, March 19th. And, you know, last season, 2021, I feel like we really didn't worry about losing at home. The fortress was being built. It felt locked. And then the narrative heading into this game was that we really needed to keep this home winning streak. And it was just kind of a pressure and a fear that we didn't used to feel that way. So we all know San Diego is a formidable opponent and particularly because we saw them sort of improve in how they were playing against Phoenix rising in 2021. We matched up four times and San Diego loyal just kept getting better. So having just seen a team last week outmaneuver us, expose our weaknesses, it was pretty nerve wracking. And I think the fear, at least for me, was, hey, how does Phoenix Rising adjust their playing style? You know, what does that look like? Why haven't we seen that? And are we going to need to do that in this game against the Loyal? So 
little nugget that comes from Jake Anderson, our last home loss was against San Diego Loyal. This was our old stadium in September of 2020. So <laughs> just a little nugget a little fact, a nugget of pain there, <laughs> but the stakes felt really high and the confidence felt a little low. So that was kind of how I felt. And I sort of thought the scene was, if you will, moving into the match. Okay, fantastic. Well, Kelly, let's look at how the teams lined up. We'll start with Phoenix. Ben Lund was in goal in front of him. The four defenders, right fullback, our captain Darnell King, centre backs Joe Farrell and James Musa, left fullback Babakar Anjay. In the midfield, we had Kevin Lambert, Aidan Quinn, and Arturo Rodriguez. And our forwards, Marcus Epps, was on the left wing. Santi Moore was on the right and our striker up front, Greg Hurst. Kelly, any surprises in that lineup? Nothing major. I mean, we have Musa and Hurst back in the lineup. These were the only two starters, if you will, that were missing from that starting lineup in last week's game against Las Vegas. So we were all hoping they would make the difference and address some of the issues that we'd seen. So from Musa, we're looking to see some additional speed, agility, and leadership to that back line. And from Hurst, we're looking for some quality finishing. These are some things we've been missing. And then not so much a surprise, but a little surprise, I guess. We saw, as you mentioned, Santi Moar and Marcus Epps switch sides. So they're kind of playing on, I guess what I'll call their non-dominant sides. And the feeling, the guess is kind of that Santi Moar and Njai aren't really connecting on that left side of the pitch. Maybe they just don't have the right chemistry. So this was an alternative maybe to see how Epps and Njai would work together. We and, and I don't want to get too into it, I won't, but just to mention starting the second half, it looks like they switched back. And I'm just wondering, and you'll get to this when Tony gets a chance to speak, but I'm just wondering if it was because Elijah Martin was really locking down that left side. Um, he was on fire. But anyway, I digress. Okay. All right. Over to San Diego Loyal. So in goal, the Spaniard, Koki Vegas. Right fullback, Jack Metcalf. Left fullback, Elijah Martin. Centre backs, Grant Stoneman and Kyle Adams. In the midfield, on the right side, Tuni Mashubane. On the left side, Nick Moon. And then in midfield, you had Colin Martin and Captain Alejandro Guido. Up front, you had the, the two forwards, Thomas Amang and Kyle Vassell, or Vassell, as some like to say. So, Tony, any surprises in that lineup? As far as the surprises go, it was interesting to see Thomas Amang and uh, Kyle Vassell, I'm one of the calls of Vassell, <laughs> uh, up on top. So uh, they haven't really had that look uh, early on in the season. Both players coming in this season, uh, Kyle was actually training with San Diego Loyal all of last year. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to uh, go on the pitch due to some <clears throat> visa uh, requirements. Um but now he's here in the lineup uh, with Thomas Among. And it's a really interesting dynamic because they've been using Kyle as uh, a dominant, strong, holding, um, attacking forward where he has a strength. He has a speed to tire defenses for the entire seven minutes. And then that's when they go ahead and switch him in for Among, who's also strong, incredibly quick, and has a knack for goal. Uh, but again, it was interesting seeing them here paired together up front for the first time. Uh, another surprise, you know, obviously, as the game in, in, in started was Jack Metcalf, uh, you know, coming out in injury. So that's one of the things that um, is is unfortunate in this game that Jack Metcalf does pick up an injury. Um, and then subbing in was Evan Conway, a forward, which in this case 
we're not really deep in that defensive right back, left back uh, role. Uh, but it's good to have some wingers that are able to track back and are able to fill in that role in a in 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 a time that is needed. Uh, something else to note is Grant Stone and pick up an ankle injury, something that's been bothering him for about a year and a half uh, in the game at home. Um, to a week ago. And so it's good to see him back in the lineup. But other than that, I, I don't see a lot of surprises. I like seeing Alejandro Guido back in the center mid position. That's more of his natural position. And obviously, you know, it's been paying dividends. It's the first time in San Diego loyal history with Alejandro Guido that he's played uh, three consecutive uh, 90 minute games. So that speaks to his fitness. And that's a big question mark that we've had here in San Diego is, will he ever be fit to fulfill at least one 90 minute game. So that's fantastic to be able to see him out there running and uh, creating and just being an overall disruptor uh, for the entire 90 minutes. Yeah. First of all, it's unfortunate to see Guido in such good fitness. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, I just have a question for you, Tony. You mentioned that I think, forgive me, I don't know your players' names very well, but I think you mentioned Among and Vassell were up front for the first time paired together. Do you think that pairing was, you know, your coach looking and exploring different pairings up top. Do you think it had something to do with, you know, just players being tired from that Wednesday match? I'm just curious, you know, as you see sort of this rotation, um, what the thought process is and what we can learn from it at Phoenix Rising. So I can't give all the secrets to the, to the super, fortunately, Landon would uh, come after me <laughs> in the next <laughs> training. I go and speak to him. No, but uh, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting question because, um, it's not typical for San Diego Loyal to even be formed in a 4-4-2 formation or anything relatively near that. Uh, they do, um, they are fluid with the formations throughout the game as most teams are. Um, but this first time seeing these two strikers among and, and Kyle Vassell up front, I think it was a response to who you're playing because you're playing uh, Phoenix Rising, who is a high-powered, high-octane offense. So I think it was a sense of fighting fire with fire. If you're going to try to beat uh, Phoenix Rising, you're not going to necessarily beat them by playing outstanding defense because eventually they're going to get through. And it was clear eventually they got through tying the game 2-2. But I think that was uh, uh, Landon and assistant coach Nate Miller just thinking, hey, I think we're going to go ahead and need all the firepower we need. Uh, the addition of Evan Conway, which is a who was a fantastic striker in USL 2, and you know he's a youngster coming in. Unfortunately for Jack Metcalf, I think, that also added a boost uh, to the attack yeah. in that sense. So I think that was, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that a uh, player picks up an injury, but fortunate in the sense that it gave the coaching staff a different look and a different option. And now they know that this is something that they can roll with at some point. Um, and it actually paid dividends, like, like, like I said, and um, it got them three points. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Great, guys. Let's take a look at the highlights. Santi Moore got us riled up in the first five minutes with an attempt on goal, a header that got us off of our seats. In the build-up to that, though, San Diego's right full back got injured. As you mentioned, Tony, Jack Metcalf went down. So it's just five minutes into into the game. You've already talked about this, so obviously this is a huge deal. You also mentioned that he was substituted by Evan Conway and Evan, as you mentioned, a star in League One, played with our Greg Hurst in Union Omaha. So yeah, so that was a, a big, big highlight for the game. So how were you feeling, Tony, when you saw that Jack was off? 
it's absolutely unfortunate. Um, we saw him go down last year <clears throat> with a season-ending injury with a broken collarbone. And so when you see a player go down so early in the match with a non-contact injury, automatically you have to, uh, you know, hopefully uh, hope for the best with the player. But in the back of your mind, you always have that, well, I think this might be an incredibly serious. We still don't know exactly what the injury is, how long it's going to be out. Um, so it was interesting to see what the strategy was because there is not a lot of depth in that position, um, especially with one of our uh, center backs, Nico Boxel, uh, playing in New Zealand, uh, New Zealand International. But uh, Evan Conway uh, has been able to step it up and he was slotted into that left left wing position uh, once again, as he did in Tulsa. Um, but unfortunately, just Jack Metcalf going down is a huge blow because he's mm -hmm. just a paramount. It's just an imperative uh, piece into that defensive line uh, and especially moving forward in attack. His defending is, is fantastic, that bulldog mentality, but him moving forward and some of the crosses he's able to to, to muster are, are absolutely world-class. Yeah, okay. All right, well, the momentum was definitely with San Diego for much of the next 30 minutes or so. They looked more dangerous, winning several free kicks, one of which earned Darnell King, our captain, a yellow card. Evan Conway, who we just talked about, being subbed on in the sixth minute, had several good looks on goal. San Diego forward, Kyle Vassell, almost put one in. For Phoenix, Santi Moore had a promising run, but he was offside. Babu Enjai, he had a shot on goal, but it was easily taken care of by San Diego. So then we get to the 38th minute, and putting it, putting it simply, San Diego Loyal's Evan Conway was in the Phoenix half of the pitch, one-on-one -on -one with Darnell King. He cut right, was able to break free of King at the edge of the 18-yard box. Conway had a passing option, but instead decided to shoot low and hard to the right side of the goal, beating the other Phoenix Rising defenders that had arrived and beating the goalie. Nicely done. Well done, Evan Conway. Tony, over to you. Uh, this was the first goal for Evan Conway this season, and you can tell the excitement that he had. The, the staff also and the players erupted in joy just because they knew how hard uh, this kid's been working. And I, I, I couldn't believe it because, again, this wasn't a substitution that was planned by any uh, sense of the imagination. But it's it's good to be able to see um, Evan Conway just move forward and finally get that goal. He's had a couple of looks in, a, in other games, but – it was interesting to, to be able to witness just something that almost serendipitously resulted in a goal. Um, but yeah, he's been playing lights out. He's been seeing the short moments that he's been in this season uh, have been outstanding, but it's finally great to be able to have him see uh, the back of the net with a goal and on the score sheet. Over to you, Cal, your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. Kudos to him. And he showed great composure, you know, from a Phoenix side, Darnell King and Joey Farrell just get beaten, period. You know, Darnell covers this player way too loosely. I mean, it was practically an escort to the goal. And that's not to take away, again, from the player's composure and, and hard work. But, you know, I just think this speaks to the challenge that Phoenix's defense has, have had with reading a play you know, go to the ball at some point, <laughs> stick your foot in there. I get it. You don't want to overcommit, but you know, someone needed to go to the player and, and force an error or force them to work a little bit harder. Um, so it was just, 
you know, kind of a failure to read the play and maybe just a failure of communication between Darnell King and Joey Farrell. So it was a disappointing goal in that sense. Okay, in the minutes that followed, Rodriguez and Hurst had us at the edge of our seats, but in the on the San Diego side, Thomas Amang and Kyle Vassell, they paired up to keep their San Diego fans on the edge of their seats. And San Diego made it happen in the second minute of stoppage time in the first half. Here's how it looked to me. San Diego had possession on the left side of the box. They crossed it into the box straight to the foot of Phoenix centre-back Joey Farrell who attempted to clear the ball but it didn't go far. It was won by the San Diego captain Alejandro Guido who pushed forward brushing off three of his opponents and passed the ball wide to San Diego forward Thomas Amang on the left side of the box. Amang crossed the ball to the centre to Kyle Vassell who with a first touch redirected the ball to goal again beating the rising defenders and beating our goalie. Tony, it's 2-0. You've got to be happy with that. Absolutely. So we're buzzing at this point, especially uh, as soon as halftime is about to uh, go. Uh, it's an amazing play uh, from the San Diego Loyal team, but something you don't see very often is a mistake, uh, such as the one where we saw here by the center back Farrell, um, giving the ball directly to Alejandro Guido. Alejandro Guido playing outstanding uh, soccer right now uh, in between three players, just is able to find that space in the outside to give it to Thomas Among and Among with a fantastic low driven cross. Again, uh, it seemed like Farrell could have done a little bit better on both instances, both clearing the ball. And then during that low driven cross, it seemed like he would have been able to clear it had he taken a little bit uh, more time, been more patient and just read the play a little bit differently. Um, but then looking at this is a Kyle Vassell, another first Kyle Vassell has been hitting the crossbar, hitting the post, having incredibly close looks this whole season. And the way he just, puts both of his hands up after the ball crosses the line. It's just vindication for him and validation that he's been doing everything correctly. He's been probably, he's been probably the best San Diego loyal uh, forward that we've had other than maybe Miguel Barry, who now plays at Columbus crew, but that is just a celebration of, of relief of finally being able to get that goal. He's been doing everything, everything, everything well, except for being able to get on the score sheet. And so him putting that, those arms up and his head down, just, being thankful finally that ball went in is was a great moment to see as a San Diego loyal fan. Okay. Kelly, could Phoenix have done better? <laughs> yes, I think they could have. And I think Tony summed it up pretty nicely. You know, there was just definitely some errors and Farrell's on, you know, from Farrell, like two, if you will. And it's just, again, the defense being slow to react, you know, they didn't react after that bad clearance, which is kind of a compliment to call it a bad clearance. It was really just a bad read and a bad first touch by Farrell, but they're slow to react to that clearance. They're slow to react when Guido has the ball. And, you know, that low cross, based on the outcome, you can say it's a beautiful cross, but really someone should have cleared it, you know? But I mean, that's the beauty of the mixer in there, I guess. But I do think Phoenix had a couple of opportunities to clear that ball and just didn't take them. So, Tony, we're coming up to half time, and you just had that amazing goal. You guys are feeling on top of the world, obviously, at half time. Kelly, how are you feeling at half time? <laughs> Not on top of the world. <laughs> you know, we're feeling pretty bad because you know, always when the other team scores, as you're moving into that tunnel, it's just not what you want. You always want to be the team that has the momentum as you enter into that break. And 
you know, you kind of glossed over it, you kind of mentioned it, but we had an opportunity also at the 45th minute there and poor finishing Greg Hurst, you know, it didn't happen and had it, this probably would have ended the half in a different way. So, so that was a disappointment. And also we're seeing, and I don't want to like summarize the game here looking at halftime, but we're seeing some issues that we ran into the week before. And, you know, that's sort of on everyone's mind. It's just like, how are we going to adjust? You know, Tony just shared uh, San Diego loyal secrets with us and how, you know, they went into this game prepared to meet Phoenix rising in the way that Phoenix rising plays. And Phoenix Rising needs to do the same thing and start making some adjustments in preparation for their opponent. So, you know, that was something we hadn't seen and didn't see in the first half. So I was really looking to see what kind of adjustments we were going to make to meet San Diego Loyal where they were, which is, you know, playing very defensively, playing very smart and very quick on those counterattacks. Great. Well, guys, the second half started with more intensity from Rising, resulting in several attempts and two goals. Phoenix's first goal came in the 67th minute when Aiden Quinn sent a long high ball into the box. And who was there to finish it with a powerful header, beating the defenders, defying gravity and not giving the goalie a chance? Our centre back, our centre back, James <laughs> Musa, was on the receiving end of that ball. Kelly, this was this was an incredible header from James Musa. If I had just walked into the stadium, I would have thought that it was Cristiano Ronaldo. It was <laughs> it was quality. What do you think? Yeah, agreed. And you know, we see this time and time again from Quinn. He just can place the ball wherever you want it. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful cross, if you will. And you see Musa raise his hand and ask for it. He literally is like, put it on my head. And he does a great job staying on side while he's waiting for this ball to arrive. And let's face it, we have a height advantage at this point. Um, I think this was probably the only time that we saw Elijah Martin not win a ball off a Phoenix player, you know, and he's just shorter in this instance. So, you know, I think San Diego was playing very disciplined in their back line and they were focusing on trying to hold that line. And we suggested a great job reading it and getting to the ball and using his height advantage. And then, yeah, I mean, perfect placement. Like, you know, most people who play know that sometimes you just jump up and try and connect with your head and not in this case, he has an intention. He's going for that bottom corner and he really executes it. So it was beautiful. And I just want to mention kind of one play back here, John Morrissey on Twitter, USL tactics had, he did a great breakdown of the Phoenix play on the evening. And kind of one of the points that he mentioned is that we just had some improved offensive efforts once Manuel, uh, Luis Manuel Cejas joined the game. And we kind of see this here. There's some really good crisp passing from Rodriguez to Cejas, to Cejas before it gets to Quinn. So just a little bit of a shout out on the build up there as well. Tony, over to you about this goal. Um, it was our center back that was up there practically in your box waiting, waiting for that pass. We're seeing our center backs attack. That makes it super difficult for the opposing team. Anything you guys could have done better to defend that goal, Tony? So I'm looking at, the, at that still, actually, from, from that beautiful cross. You know, all, all credit to the Phoenix Rising for, for this effort. Um, in, in a sense, I don't think there was much that could have been done. I think a little bit of better marking by Kyle Adams or Grant Stoneman, a little bit better of a communication. <clears throat> it is a mismatch, as Kelly was mentioning, with Elijah Martin. And, uh, and man, it was a great header. We were actually discussing this on our podcast, how the effectiveness 
of uh, headers that are drilled down onto the floor before getting to the goalkeeper are mm. incredibly difficult uh, for the goalkeeper to stop. And so I think it's a sense that this was uh, a match, a, a mismatch where Eliza Martin was just, you know, going to lose that header 10 out of 10 times. And actually a similar way happened for the goal in Tulsa, uh, where it wasn't a header uh, that beat the goalkeeper, Coque Vegas, but it was a header that was the assist uh, beating Eliza Martin in a similar way. Uh, so I think that's something that, you know, obviously there's nothing you can do about that height disadvantage for Eliza Martin, but I think communicating with the center backs in better placement would, would go a long way in the, in those, but uh, all credit to uh, Phoenix with that wonderful, wonderful cross, that cross again, world-class. Phoenix's second goal, the equalizer, came five minutes later in the 71st minute. Phoenix were launching an attack. San Diego cleared the ball, but Phoenix's Luis Sejas was in the right place to quickly collect it and send it towards goal. His shot was 20 to 25 yards out from goal on the right side of the pitch, straight towards goal, straight past the entirety of the San Diego team. What a goal from Luis Sejas. Kelly. Oh, it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. And I mean just notice that this happens as a result of a set play. You know, I think we need to kind of get smarter in recognizing where our goals are coming from. And as you mentioned, this is a clearance. It lands near Sejas. He does a great job controlling the ball and setting himself up for a bullet of a shot. And again, the loyal back line is doing pretty much what they would, I think they want to be doing. And that's kind of organizing that back line, um, lining up, pulling players forward. And, and Sejas was smart to see that and to see that sort of everyone in the box was busy off the ball and he just takes a shot. And, you know, this speaks to, in my mind, what Phoenix Rising needs to be doing and needs to be focusing on, which is bringing the attack from unexpected parts on the field. You know, our wingers are struggling. It's got to come from the midfield. It's also just important. You have to take more shots. I mean, Phoenix Rising only had like 13 shots on goal all night. I think we had like two on target and two goals. That's 15% shooting accuracy. It's not enough. So this just to me speaks to, you know, we need to be more aggressive. We need to be brave. And more importantly, we need to be more direct to goal, just less passing that final third. So hats off for sure to Sejas. Um, you know, he just basically says, I'll get it done. And he does. Well, Tony, I thought that that, that we had seen the turning point in the match and that things were just going to take it home from there on out. Were you feeling deflated? Were you feeling like, oh, we're coming back from this? How were you feeling? This was another sense of, uh, here we go again, uh, because we've seen this story before, right? Especially at, in Arizona, uh, talking about that, what, 98th, 99th minute uh, yep. win, equalizing goal uh, a couple of seasons, a couple of games ago. Uh, but no, this was a match where I, I thought that anything could happen at this point. Unfortunately, it is uh, San Diego Loyal's tendency to move back after they have a lead, uh, especially comfortably, right? They say the most dangerous lead is 2-0. Uh, so it's exactly what we had. But going into this, I mean, I, I think that the tide was turning, the momentum was shifting over to uh, Phoenix, and it was only a matter of time before Phoenix scored a third one and eventually went on to possibly win this game. And in this goal particularly, I do feel like Coque Vegas could have done a little bit better looking at it, uh, looking for a deflection. It is through traffic, through a lot of bodies, where the ball is rifled in Adams. He does get a touch on it, but it's not enough to parry it out. Um, but it was a, uh, it was a great shot. You know, again, you take those shots, um, because if the goalkeeper 
saves it, but it lands in the in the in the box, then you have a chance to tap it in. But that's exactly the reason why you take those shots. And so um, for that for Phoenix, it it, it resulted in a goal off the shot immediately. And I think that's the moment that, you know, San Diego loyal supporters were like, okay, we've seen this movie before. Um, (laughs) So let's, let's, let's try to hunker down. Sure. For sure. Okay. There's 20 minutes to go. Phoenix rising are coming into their own. They've scored two goals in five minutes. The fans are loud in the stadium and to make things worse, the ref issues several yellow cards to San Diego. It was difficult to tell, but it seemed that San Diego loyal center back Kyle Adams, a veteran in the league, the one who looks like he fronts a hair metal band. (laughs) He got the first yellow and while play was stopped, it seemed like yellow cards were also issued to, and I'm not sure about this, San Diego captain Alejandro Guido, and it seemed like uh, Yellow was issued to the bench as well, to Landon Donovan. I can only assume that those follow-on Yellow cards were dissent. Um, I don't know. Tony, what was your take on that? It wasn't clear to me, and I'm seeing different stats and different write-ups. I think the the Yellow card was, (laughs) I guess, for the bench in general uh for you know just being a little bit too heated but you know this is the this is some of the 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 yellow cards that you have to take sometimes in in a in a heated game like this again we're talking about is it a rivalry is it not i think these are the moments where you kind of kind of have to look at well i guess it's it's a it's a contentious matchup and i think it goes a little bit over uh just what happened on the pitch but that's part of uh, any good rivalry right you have uh, a couple of uh, warnings here and there. No red cards uh, in the, in this matchup, um, but I think it's a I think it's a it was a necessary time to for the referee to throw some red card uh, excuse me throw some yellow cards around just to try to control the game at this point. Uh, and yes, I do agree. Kyle Adams does uh, do a Led Zeppelin cover band on the weekends with that hair of his. He is kidding you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, just kidding. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Sorry, Tony. Yeah, I have to. I have to get Niles back on that. He gets. He's. Uh, he's easily persuaded. <laughs> um, you see, my, the problem with me, Tony, is I've got this huge sense of wonderment, and that yes. makes me very gullible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know who wasn't kidding around on the night was Alejandro Guido. In the 76th minute, he had possession in the middle of the park. Running towards goal, he attempted a pass, but our centre-back, Joey Farrell, intercepted it but didn't clear it as the ball made, it way, made its way back to Guido, who powered forward into space on the right side of the box. With nobody to stop him, he blasts the ball into the top right corner. Tony, your thoughts on that? It was a goal that just absolutely sent sent me into a different dimension of of happiness and joy. Just the optics of it, even just the red smoke in in Wild Horse Pass, just not being able to clearly see Alejandro Guido moving forward. He's done a couple of these moves, as uh, my co-host, as you guys know, Alan Underwood was was talking about a little bit, uh, where he kind of uses the defenders as a wall to give himself a self pass. Uh, obviously, it was a little bit of uh, fortune in this case with Farrell once again. Um, but Alejandro Guido, again, is playing his best minutes as a San Diego loyal player, as a 10. And clearly, he's in, he's in a different league right now, and he's in fantastic form. Uh, that run is a run that we see quite often from him, but usually there's more defenders in front of him. I don't know if that's a communication breakdown where he had so much space over on that right side. 
including uh, Jack Blake, was even completely wide open. So he could have offloaded that. Uh, but instead, he decides to take it in, in himself into the box, have a powerful shot that has him leave both his feet uh, up into the right side of the goalkeeper and in front of the Bandido supporters. And, you know, it was it was as a San Diego loyal supporter. I'm sorry to say, guys, but it was sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, a defensive failure. Yes. And, you know, it's really not fair. I shouldn't be getting kind of the last word on the San Diego Loyal goals because they were all beauties, you know, and that one was sweet. Unfortunately, where Niall and I were sitting, we had a really good angle on it. <laughs> and uh, we're able to appreciate it. You know, Rick Shantz in a postgame interview called that shot a worldie. And it was in a, in a sense, because it was an absolutely gorgeous shot. He leave, he does, he puts so much power behind it. The placement's insane, but you know what? It didn't need to be, you know, as Tony mentioned, like, where was the defense? I mean, the defenders that were around Farrell failed clearance, trips himself up, chest the ball down back to Guido. Um, Moose is doing the wrong work defending a player who doesn't have the ball and Jai is nowhere to be found. So, I mean, you know, Guido was brilliant, but it could have been an even easier goal for him. You know, there was a lot of scenarios where that finds the back of the net, because as you mentioned, Niall, it was just a defensive failure. So absolutely this takes nothing away from how beautiful the goal was, but absolutely a breakdown in communication and just an underestimation of the San Diego attack, I think, you know, I'm guessing Njai was, was further up the pitch. Um, who's covering from him? Co who's covering for him? You know, we just needed more bodies back there. And at this point in the match, there's really no excuse for not, for not having well-represented defense. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the final score guys. Three, two, let's talk about that second half. Tony, anything you want to say about that second half that hasn't been said already? I think it was a uh, it was entertaining. If I was a neutral, I would have been glued to my seat just as much as if I had some skin in the game, which I kind of do. But uh, the second half just proved that San Diego Loyal has something that they haven't had before, and I think it's that that tenacity to go forward and, and try to win a game. Where I would say San Diego Loyal would have been content with a two-two uh, in that sense and holding everybody uh, to that and getting a point, which would have been fantastic uh, at uh, Wild Horse Pass, but. Overall, I think uh, this showed exactly the pedigree of both teams. They they can strike at any given moment. They have the offensive firepower, and I think it's it's a clear display to the rest of the league that these two teams are here and are going to be contenders for the entirety of the season. Yeah, Kelly, anything from you about that second half? Not really, and I think that's a generous summary from Tony. You know, I think. This game said a lot about San Diego Loyal. It said some stuff about Phoenix Rising, but but not as much that's positive, you know. And Rick Shantz mentioned in a post-game interview that, I'm trying to find the quote and struggling here, but he, the question was, you know, how did you go about getting two goals to start the second half? And he says, desperation, we were desperate. They felt like there was nothing to lose and we need to play with that, men that mentality right from the beginning. And I, I think that's telling when it comes to that second half. I think we were playing with more killer instinct, 
you know, as I mentioned last week, there's a fine line between aggression and desperation. And one is really good for you. One can become problematic. So, you know, we had that urgency for most of the second half, and that was a good thing. We also made some personnel changes that stepped up the offense a bit. But there was also some desperation. There were also some emotions running high that we didn't control. Part of that had to do with the, you know, maybe the refs. Part of that had to do with that desperation, um, with those amazing plays by players like Guido. And, you know, we got to start harder and stronger. And then we need to control our emotions and play like the professionals that we are. Kelly, I'm going to stick with you. We talked about the lineup earlier when we started. Then we looked at the highlights. And, you know, we talked about, you know, how our players did during those highlights, especially in defense. But in mm -hmm. general, uh, did you see enough from our defense tonight or were things lacking? Yeah, things were lacking. And I, I don't, I'm, I'm coming off very negative <laughs> and I don't mean to. It's disappointing because you see areas that require improvement uh, in this case, week after week. And it's only, you know, moving into week four or whatever, but, you know, these are adjustments that can be made and that have been identified. And part of it has to do with, we're lacking some depth in that back line. We're lacking alternatives, but to answer your question, I think we need better communication from that defense. I think we need them reading plays a little bit better, kind of knowing when to step to the ball versus holding their ground. Um, being smarter when they send a fullback up the pitch, you know, making sure there's coverage and just being ready for the counter. So improving on first touches and clearances. So there's some areas for improvement we need to see with the back line. And the bright spot is simply that we do have great talent back there and we do have time to clean some of this up. Okay. Any comments on midfield and our forwards? Yeah. I mean, I think our midfield needs to participate in the attack more directly. If we look at the few goals that Phoenix Rising has scored so far this season, they're coming from, as you mentioned, our center backs, question mark. They're coming from our midfield. You know, these are our shots outside the box. These are shots on set plays. Um, these are creative and sort of alternative connections, if you will. So I think the midfield needs to participate in track in the attack in a more direct fashion. We also need to improve our passing accuracy. We need to be taking more shots, um, being more direct on goal and making more offensive runs. I mean, the midfield needs to make some runs to distract and misplace the defense, especially when you see, see teams playing so defensively against us. I mean, I kept elbowing Niall and saying, look how many of their players are behind the ball. You know, San Diego did a great job defending and we need to find a way to stretch out these opposing teams to distract them, to get them out of the box. And if we can't do that, we've got to take shots from further away as we saw Sejas have success with. So, you know, sort of more, I guess, smarter play, I almost said more smarter, which <laughs> makes me sound smart, just more creative, intelligent play from the midfield. And then from the forwards, we have to see finishing. If you can't finish, get out of the way, play some defense, let the midfield get the job done. We need to be more effective on the press. In the preseason, we saw effective pressing. We saw organized pressing. Where has it gone? Score goals. This is what you are on the team for. And I really hope we can put some people on the bench to sub in for our forwards if they can't get the job done. I know that feels really harsh after three games, but like this is a business. Do your job or step aside. Absolutely. Whoa, I did not expect to be that passionate. I'm so sorry. 
<laughs> that was a bit harsh. My apologies. <laughs> Tony, let's get over to you. On, on your back line, Elijah Martin, you know, yes, there was that um, maybe a, a defensive error on, on that goal that we talked about uh, when he was up again, up with Musa with that header. But for the rest of the night, he was an absolute beast. He gave it 110%. Over on the right side, Evan Conway, who was, you know, subbed in. Wow, what a performance he had. How did your centre-backs do, Grant Stoneman and Kyle Adams? So I believe uh, Grant Stoneman and Kyle Adams have been doing great together. Uh, out of necessity, Kyle Adams has been starting, once again, mentioning that uh, Nico Boxel has been with the New Zealand national team. Um, however, I, I feel that they've been doing fantastic in, in talking with uh, new goalkeeper, Coque Vegas, as well. Uh, he's very happy with cohesion that's been happening so quickly. It's very interesting because Coque Vegas uh, speaks little to no English right now. So that's also incredibly impressive to be able to have a, a back line that's led by somebody who doesn't even speak the language. Um, overall, they've been doing fantastically. Elijah Martin, as you mentioned, is, is lights out. Uh, he's a lockdown defender. And he also is great moving forward over on the left-hand side. Uh, a comment that a, a, a technical staff of Sanio Lowell mentioned to me in training once is, if Elijah was maybe two, three inches taller, you're gonna, you would see him in Europe starting every game. Um, so that's to speak to the quality that Elijah Martin has. Um, but overall, I, I believe that Sanio Lowell's defense has been a, a, a special, special group this, this year especially with all the injuries that have happened. Uh, you have to sub sometimes a, a winger defender over into that back line and they've been able to step up and um, you know, I'm glad that they're able to step up. And, and if not, like Kelly was saying, it's next man up. And that's the unfortunate thing with San, San Diego loyal. There isn't a lot of people on the bench in the depths to step on up. So that has me a little bit worried, especially with the Jack Metcalf injury happening uh, so early here in this year. Right, right. Your midfielders, I think, pretty outstanding. We didn't talk a whole lot about your midfielders besides Alejandro Guido, but you had Mashabane, you had Colin Martin, you had Nick Moon. I think they all put in a pretty solid performance. What do you think? Absolutely. Uh, Colin Martin is, is one of those players that you don't really hear the name. And even in this recap, we haven't mentioned Colin Martin, but he's an incredibly important piece to this uh, San Diego loyal side. The style of San Diego Loyals goes through Colin Martin and uh, even more so than Alejandro Guido, I believe, because he is that connective, connective tissue with that defense and the, and the midfield and forwards moving, moving up. Uh, he has that patience, that elegance that he plays with, Zidane-esque, if I may say. Um, but he is incredibly important. And the fact that we don't mention his name sometimes is exactly what, as it should be. Uh, his role isn't necessarily to be the star, to be there. Uh, almost in a Sergio Busquets type role, but it, honestly, it's 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 telling uh, of the people and the players that have been here for for more than one year that that this isn't the first rodeo with Sandy Loyal. The chemistry is there. You, we talk about uh, Tomi Moshobani, Sandy Loyal's uh, number one top goal scorer last year. Alejandro Guido's been here for two years. Colin Martin's been here since day one. Elijah Grant Stoneman, Jack Metcalf. These are players that have been here. And in a USL league where um, player movement is, is, is very prolific, where there's not a lot of players that stay anywhere for more than a season or two, uh, even Jack Blake signing that two-year contract. Uh, this, is, this is something that 
from now from coming into the USL, learning about the USL is something that I don't take for granted. The San Diego Loyal supporters do not, do not take that for granted. And uh, we're thankful that the players want and believe in a project here in San Diego. Great, great. Okay, and obviously your forwards, you talked about your forwards already, you had a great night. Kelly, before we round it up, let's talk about the ref thing. There were comments on social media about how the ref didn't, didn't hesitate to call in favor of San Diego, but was slow to call in favor of Rising. Can we blame this game on the ref? I'd love to. <laughs> um, no, unfortunately, I really don't think we can. Although I do agree with rising fans that, you know, the officiating maybe left a little something to be desired. I think the, the especially that main referee wanted to let most of the offenses go and, you know, in doing so, I do feel like, and I definitely allow Tony to comment on this, but I think San Diego took a little bit of advantage of that, fouled a little more, maybe flopped a little more. And hey, that's part of reading the game, I suppose. And I, I think that worked, you know, most of the, the bad calls or the lack of calls really didn't impact the play, but may have impacted you know, the Phoenix rising players emotions, and this can be a dangerous thing. You know, if it's, if it's channeled in a positive way, this can be dangerous in a good way, but if you're over emotional and you're reckless, um, that can be, that can be bad. And I do just, you know, to, to be as impartial as possible, there were a few calls that the ref didn't make on some Phoenix fouls. I mean, I think we saw a pretty flagrant handball that went uncalled and we also saw, I mean, I remember in one of the highlights that I was watching this morning, I feel like one of our players just like shoved a loyal player to the ground in front of the ref and that went uncalled too. So, you know, it, it was both ways to some extent. And I, I don't think it accounts by any means for the loss. Okay. Well, Tony, your team did really well under very harsh circumstances, not just what they have to face when they walk into Wild Horse Pass, but also that midweek game that didn't go your way. So um, congratulations uh, against your Phoenix rivals. Can you wrap it up for us? What are your closing comments? So obviously, it's a, it's a, in order to have a great match, you have to have a great rival. And I think Phoenix Rising is, is that San Diego loyal. Uh, it's that team that, you know, you always have to be. You always have to try your absolute best. And I think that was the game plan going in. Um, the Wednesday Tulsa loss for San Diego Loyal could have been jotted down to uh, a, lack of, um, a lack of attack, a lack of you know, desire to move forward. But overall, I do kind of think that it was because they were trying to do some rotation uh, in the lineups and save some players, save some energy, save some stamina. Uh, for the Saturday match because that was, like I said, the one that was circled on our calendars and we needed to get a point at least in, in there. Obviously, three being fantastic. Um, but overall, you know, I, I believe that this, this is a, a game that we're going to never get tired of and uh, hopefully that this rivalry continues and it grows into a, 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 a Clásico de Clásicos, as we say in Spanish. Um, and so I really hope that moving forward that these games continue to be as entertaining. And I mean, even to, 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 to speak to what Kelly's saying about the refs, the USL refs are absolutely terrible. And we can say that because I see them at, on the touchline. I see the, the assistants communicating through the headsets while we're doing coverage uh, down there. And so some of those uh, calls that we see and everybody sees, you know, might not you know get called and 
it's part of the game, right? That's that's kind of where, where we're at too. So we're not getting a World Cup FIFA level refereeing here. Uh, but I do think it does go both ways. And again, we have our little we have our little uh, conspiracy theories that sometimes referees go against Landon Donovan and, and want to put him in his place. Uh, but clearly, it, it's a case where it goes both ways, and uh, we were fortunate in this day. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on on more of those and uh, see how many yellow cards Landon Donovan will get in this season. All right, Kelly, <laughs> over to you for some closing comments. I think Tony put it very nicely. I really like this idea that, you know, in order to have a great game, you have to have two great opponents. And I, I, that says it all we did. This was, you know, it's disappointing as a Phoenix fan to not come away with a win or a draw, but at the end of the day, it was a really good match. You know, it was fierce and we had some great chances created on both sides. There was quality play. It was a beautiful evening, beautiful stadium. We had some delicious French fries. So, I mean, not much to complain about. And, you know, I saw, Nyla was telling you about this uh, before we started recording. I saw some kids lined up at the tunnel before the match, and they were greeting all of the players <laughs> from both teams all the coaches, all the trainers. I mean, everyone that walked by these kids were screaming and so delighted to see and be around. And it was just a great reminder for me as well that, you know, this is a game. It's meant to be fun. We should be delighted to be in the presence of such amazing players. And, you know, we should just have fun. And as a Phoenix fan, it was a great reminder for me. I mean, I don't mean to be cheesy, but I want to support the teams regardless of the outcome. You know, if they play well, they play hard, they're learning and improving each week. Like that's what it's all about. And this was on full display. So it was, it was an awesome match. Well, I certainly had fun with you guys. Tony Sanchez from sunny San Diego. Thank you for joining us on the fan experience today. Thank you for having me on guys. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Tony. Hope to have you back sometime. Kelly, it's great talking football with you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And listeners, thank you for listening. If you'd like to join us on the panel for a future game, or if you have comments, questions, or ideas, please send them to us, thefanexperiencefc at gmail.com, or follow us and DM us on Twitter at FanExperienceFC. We've lots more to share with you, including a monthly roundup for the month of March with our guest Dominic Kearns, and highlights from the week that matter to Phoenix Rising fans from our regular Mr. John Morrissey from USL Tactics. Stick around and thank Thank you for listening. All right. This is Brian, a.k.a. The Mass Maniac from Union 602. And you are listening to The Fan Experience. I'm so excited to bring you this next segment. I've got John Morrissey with us. John is at USL Tactics on Twitter. And he's here with the results from the weekend that matter to Phoenix Rising fans. So it's week three. John, welcome to the show. What have you got for us this week? Hey, Niall. Yeah, thank you for having me back on to talk about the goings-on across the board in the league. I think the big story is that San Diego victory over Phoenix, um, two contenders at the top of the West and a big game, no matter how you slice it. But San Diego notably dropped their game against Tulsa midweek one to nothing. And I think that says a lot about where Tulsa is more so than San Diego. San Diego went with um, sort of changed out squad. Vassell didn't play, for instance, and they still looked decent. But Tulsa was really impressive. Their back line was so strong. Uh, they generated a lot in attack. So that was a big game to note in terms of how you're maybe assessing the threat out east. Um, and then, of course, at the weekend, uh, Sandy, or rather Tulsa 
lost on their trip to Sacramento. And that was a bit of a comeback game for the Republic. Douglas Martinez looked really good. Their midfield was a lot more balanced than their uh, latest loss. And Duke Lacroix was absolutely immense when he came on as a substitute at left back. So that's a team that's figuring things out, getting healthy, but they looked very strong in their game um, on Sunday night. Las Vegas was really the big story of uh, last week and the midweek. Uh, after the Phoenix game, they beat El Paso 5-4. to four. Denny Trejo had a massive uh, match week. He had three goals and three assists in total. But Vegas would even go on to lose one nothing to Memphis. So maybe a, a testament to the strength of the East this season. But kudos to Memphis, certainly. They switched up their approach. They strengthened the center of their midfield to build up against Las Vegas. And Aaron Malloy, who fans might know uh, from his time in the Portland Timbers system, has just been excellent for what 901 has been trying to do. So just another uh, kind of shining player so far this season. Elsewhere out west, New Mexico looked really bright and kind of dominated the game against Orange County. Uh, Colorado Springs got a big 2-0 win at Birmingham. They're undefeated 3-0 so far. And that 4-3-3 system that they run with Haji Berry going wherever he wants, Zach Zandi playing as this sort of wing-back center-mid hybrid, and Michigalina running all over the right wing has just been a joy to watch. Uh, if I was a neutral, I'd be trying to watch switchbacks games over anything else at this point. Then a couple more notes in the West. Um, San Antonio continued their unbeaten run by downing RGV 2-1. to one. Probably a friendly scoreline for RGV. I just thought that uh, the artist formerly known as the Scorpions looks a lot brighter in this game. Generated a lot of offense. And Gigi Tairaore, uh, their left wing back, a uh, new signing has been really impressive so that's going to be a competitive team down the stretch when you're maybe trying to assess out the early playoff picture and then at the other end of things monterey beat oakland three to two to get the first win in their franchise's history i think there's good odds that these are the worst two teams in the west when push comes to shove but chase Boone and sam gleedle from monterey were really impressive on the right Gleedle was the true right winger and Boone was drifting over from a center midfield spot, but they paired up well. And I think I just love seeing this from Gleedle, who missed a lot of time with injuries in San Antonio last year, but was brilliant with Reno uh, two seasons back. Then one more thing to hit on out east was the Louisville Indy rivalry game. Indy had started pretty calamitously under the new manager, Mark Lowry, but they kind of flattened out his classic diamond shape into more of a standard 4-4-2. And it did a lot to stifle what Louisville was doing in the build. Uh, and he took a one nothing lead in that game, but Louisville, being Louisville, really adjusted well, uh, shifted what they were doing with their back line and their midfield, rebalanced, and maybe deserved a win at the end of the day with the chances they ended up earning. But that was a one-to-one -one draw. So overall, lots of games this week. A bit thinner in the midweek this uh, time around with just one Wednesday game but a good slate of uh, matches ahead, so lots to look forward to. Well, John, in the last two weeks, Phoenix Rising have been the big news because of their bad results, so I'm looking forward to that changing. I certainly hope it does. It's fantastic to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us with the news that matters to Phoenix Rising. Anthony Shattuck with Los Bandidos, and you are listening to The Fan Experience. 
In this next segment, Dominic Kearns is joining us for a monthly roundup, the first ever monthly roundup here on the Fan Experience. Dom, welcome to the show. What have you got for us? Thanks. Uh, happy to be here. If you look back at March, we played three matches that matter. Um, we go one win, uh, no draws, two losses. That puts us in the bottom of the USL standings, not the very bottom, but we're I'm looking right now. I think we're outside the playoff places. Um, actually, they have us in right at seventh for now. Um, goal difference is zero, which is very misleading because of that first match. And, you know, if you really want to slice it a different way, you score seven goals in three matches. You're expecting to have at least two wins out of that, right? And yet goals against seven there's only two teams that have a worse goals against in the league. And I think that's Vegas lights who has an extra match played. They have four matches played now. Um, and then El Paso who is in a similar funk with us. Um, probably two of the most disappointing teams in the Western conference this year. And actually I don't think anyone in the East has more goals against than us. So, I mean, the numbers say it all. That's, that's why we're where we are. My thing with El Paso is they have a new coach. Got an excuse because they're trying to figure out a new coach, a new system. But that's really not the case for us. So, Dominic, what's going on? What's the problem? So, okay, so I'll start this off by the one positive thing. The only other time I can remember our defense looking this, you know, discombobulated is the early 2019 season. And that, remember is when people were legitimately saying fire Rick Schantz, right. including myself after a really disappointing loss at Orange County. Um, I think 2-1 where we were, you know, we blew so many chances in that game. Orange County didn't even play well. And at that point, we were second or third from the bottom in the standings, almost a quarter of the way in. Well, guess what we did the rest of the season? 20-match win streak, best record in USL all time. So that's, that's what gives me some caution here. I mean, Rick has new bodies. Um, definitely Njai, um, that's a new body that's having to learn his system. And there's growing pains right now. Manuel Madrid, when he's played, is learning this new system. Um, but I think the biggest issue is we are looking slow as molasses on counterattacks. Teams are just it's pretty direct on a lot of these goals, you know, one pass from the defense, to the midfield, we try to go for a challenge. We might miss it. And then immediately they're in our attacking third with, if not a numbers advantage, it's at least a three on three or something where they can create a good chance. Um, if you look at the goals last night, the first goal they scored, that was actually a really nice finish. You might not have been able to see that in lifetime. I know I was in the supporter section for that goal. And first, it was frustrating, but if you go back and look at the replay, that dude was shooting it from outside the box. There actually were a couple of bodies, not perfectly on him, but close enough. And he curled it off the post. I mean, that's a heck of a finish. And I think it was that guy's first goal. So, I mean, that's tough. What are you going to do? Yeah. Um, yeah. The second and third goals are much more frustrating. We had tons of bodies back for their second goal and they weren't, they weren't even on a full fast break. I mean, we get a block, but it stays in the zone. And I think there were four bodies around um, who scored that goal for them. 
Was that Vassal? There were four bodies around Kyle Vassal. Yeah. And somehow the pass sneaks through to him and he's able to put it through. What are we doing there? Yeah, it was a hard one. And, and then the third goal, maybe even worse when we have all the momentum, um, you know, they have a attack going and, and we get a block on it, but the ball bounces right to them. And, and I haven't looked at it close enough, but it looked like someone almost stopped. Like they thought the attack was over. And they're like, oh, geez, now we need to get going again. Well, meanwhile, San Diego is just coming right in. And there's no one marking Guido on that shot. I mean, and, and obviously Vegas, we gave up two. And it could have been a lot more, if not for Lunt, that match. Um, so it, it's definitely becoming a trend now where it's just these counterattacks that were unequipped to stop. I was... Looking forward to, to a strong start to the season, Dom. We had a, a really good preseason, and it should have been two games that get us, got us off to a really good start. Monterey Bay, and it was. It was a great start, but what a shock to go down to Vegas. And then last night was really our first home loss in many, many games. Um, so it was, a, it was a shock. So it's a really hard start to the season for us. So I don't know if you want to dissect any more. There was only three games in March. Do you want to look ahead to how we're going to do in April? Yeah, I can do that really quick. Um, I mean, just my final thoughts on March is, I mean, it's, it's a tough start. And there were some seeds, though, of, well, maybe our defense won't be perfect when the season starts because we gave up two to Loose City. We gave up two, two to Detroit in the preseason. Um, we gave up two to Grand Canyon in the preseason, even though we won that match. So there, there definitely were some questions being asked even before the season started. That was my, you know, how is this going to start? I had questions about it and obviously it hasn't been ideal, but we move on. Hopefully things can turn around in April. If they don't, then, you know, the rumbling is just going to get louder, but I'll tell you what, it does not get easier next weekend. We're going to San Antonio. And San Antonio, I know they won their first two matches. They won again. So they're 3-0 now. Or no, they're still 2-0. They didn't, They played tonight uh, against RGB. That'll be interesting. Yeah, that'll be good. Um, but this is a team that's only conceded one goal in their first two matches. So it's going to be a test in more ways than one. Um, a test for our attack against probably the best defense we've played this season. Um, and then also for you know, us going on the road against a really strong squad. No offense to Vegas, but this is the first true road test we're going to have. And the first true road test we're going to have in a while because the rest of April, we're at home. Uh, we have the Open Cup against Valley United on April 6th. I mean, anything less than a win there by, you know, more than one goal is going to be cause for concern. Um, even with squad rotation, no offense to Valley United, they're just they're just getting started. I think they're in Nisa this year. Um, well, we'll see how they do, but that's that should be a win for us. Then we play Los Dos on April 9th. Los Dos, um, little thing about them, they had Junior Gonzalez as their head coach. He actually left for MLS, so um, I think he's an assistant coach. I forget which MLS club, but they haven't been as strong to start this season. They've given a couple teams tough matches. Um, San Antonio, they lost by a goal. San Diego, they lost by a goal. Um, but they haven't 
they haven't been the threat that they've shown in recent seasons. So that should be a win. Anything less is going to be very disappointing. Then we have New Mexico on April 16th. Um, this is a tricky match. New Mexico, they started out with two wins. Almost got a third win last night, but Orange County got a draw at the end. A stoppage time goal, actually. Um, so that still, though, they're, they're a solid team. And they haven't conceded more than one goal yet this season. So it looks like their defense has actually improved. That's going to be an interesting test for us. And then we finished the month out home to Miami and Miami. They're looking like a middle of the pack team. They have a win, a draw and a loss. I think we should be able to beat them. Miami typically hasn't done well on the road in USL. This is a long road trip for them. They definitely have been improving. I mean, last year they made the playoffs and this year, I mean, it looks like they're probably going to make the playoffs again. Um, but I, I would like our chances there. If we if we lose to Miami, that's, again, not an acceptable result. I mean, maybe they get lucky and they can squeak out a draw or something. But, um, you know, looking at this, and I'll throw a bone in. Technically, it's May 1st, but that's a Sunday. Most of the matches that weekend are April 30th. We play at Los Dos. So, again, that is a match that could be tricky, but you would have to think we could pull out all three points. But again, the way our defense has been going, who knows? Okay. So that's, that's a look at the April schedule. I would say, I would say um, low stos in Miami, we should really be winning. And then San Antonio and New Mexico are going to be good tests and Valley United in the open cup should be a win. Gotcha. So Dom in the championship, there are 12 points up for grabs for us in April with those four games. So three points apiece. So you'll be happy with obviously 12 points. Will you be happy with nine points? I think, I think nine is okay. I think the minimum that I would be, you know, if we got these, anything less than this, I would be a little bit frustrated is eight, which would be, two wins and two draws. If we could, if we could at least, you know, really handle business against those dose in Miami and, and get at least one clean sheet from those. And our defense just stops shipping in two goals. Then, you know, I could maybe live with a draw against San Antonio and a draw against New Mexico. Gotcha. If we, if we, you know, keep conceding two plus goals though, there's no way we're going to achieve that. So, What, what happened to our fortress? You know, we, we weren't feeling this at any point last season, you know? It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, look, two, you know, eight points from four games, you know, people want to get really nitpicky about it. That's two points a game. That's going to get you playoffs. Yeah, but three of those are home games, and we should have a fortress at home. You know, life's not perfect, right? <laughs> and I don't have unrealistic expectations right now. Yeah, yeah, I know. Do you think we're going to see an announcement for a new, uh, at least, backup center back? I don't know. I mean, Rick has said he's open to getting like MLS guys on loan before, yeah. but he doesn't prefer it. Yeah. But I mean, the the depth we have right now, like you pointed out, isn't great, and it probably would not hurt to have someone else we could rotate in. 
it's really important that we get this thing figured out in April because it gets a lot tougher in May. Right, right. Well, Dom, I look forward to it. I love giving shout outs to local businesses who support Phoenix Rising. And you're one of those, as well as being a supporter of Phoenix Rising. You're also a mortgage broker, actively helping people finance or refinance their homes. So Dom, what's the best way for someone to contact you if they have questions or simply need your services? Yeah, so it's it's really easy. My phone number is just 714-653-3381. Give me a call anytime. Uh, market, it's a crazy market right now. The rates have been going up a lot, but people still need to buy homes. So if you need to buy a home, give me a call. And maybe you just really need to pay off some bills. Um, that's something I can help you with too. Either way, you can call at 714-653-3381. And um, I'll leave you with this. I mean, even though it's been a tough start to the year, don't forget about 2019 where we did reel off those 20 in a row. The offense has shown enough where if we can get the defense sorted out, I do think we're going to be a problem for teams. Great. Dom, it's fantastic having you here on the show. Thank you for the monthly update. Have a great week. And I look forward to having you back next month where hopefully things will have improved for our defense and all around for Phoenix Rising. Thank you, Dom. Of course. For everyone's sanity, right? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. For everyone's sanity. Niall Dunn, defender of the Phoenix Rising, and you're listening to the Fan Experience. Phoenix Rising family, let's take a look ahead to our next game where we take on San Antonio FC on Saturday, April 2nd. If you're traveling to see the match in person, safe travels. If you're not traveling, you can watch the game here at home on ESPN Plus or on Bally Sports Arizona. San Antonio FC came second in the Mountain Division last year and made it to the Western Conference semi-finals where they were beat on penalties by the eventual Western Conference and USL Championship winners, Orange County SC. San Antonio are off to a strong start this season, winning all three of the matches they've played so far. Their first game was at home, where they beat the new kids on the block, Detroit City FC. They won 1-0, then they travelled to LA to beat LA Galaxy 2, Los Dos 2-1. That game had two red cards, by the way. Then they went to Edinburgh, Texas to play Rio Grande Valley, who they also beat 2-1. None of those games was a gimme, and they did really well to win all three. If you take a look at the standings, you'll see that San Antonio are top of the Western Conference, joint top, while Phoenix Rising are in a very unfamiliar place, below the playoff line. It's been argued that Phoenix Rising signed San Antonio's best player from last year, that's Marcus Epps. San Antonio signed one of our players too, David Loera. Loera didn't score for us in 11 appearances, mostly coming on as a sub in the second half, but it's a different story this season. Loera has made three appearances for San Antonio, has taken more shots than anyone else on the team and scored a goal in two of their three games, making him their top goal scorer. So you'll definitely want to watch out for David Loera, who's playing as a number 10. There are other players to watch out for too. On the left wing, Justin Dillon and Didi Traore. And on the right wing, Elliot Collier and Shannon Gomez. Although Shannon Gomez has started on both sides of the park. To date, there have been a lot of changes in the starting 11 for San Antonio, with the exception of defense. In goal, it's been Christian Bonilla and three centre-backs, Carter Manley, Fabian Garcia and Mitchell Tainter. In all three games, they've only conceded two goals must be nice 
Looking back as far as 2017, we've played San Antonio in San Antonio three times. We lost twice and drew once. That draw came the last time we played them in San Antonio. It was our first game of the 2019 season and the score was 3 all. Okay, it gets a little scary here, my Phoenix Rising family, so I'll need you to brace yourself. At the start of the year, USL Tactics said to keep an eye on two other players, Manet and Beckford. Here's how they were described, a pair of speed demon midfielders who are tailor-made for a team that presses high and feasts in counter-attacking transitions. Right, that's exactly what we don't want to hear, especially after the speed demons we faced in Vegas who killed us on the counter, am I right? What we do want is for our beloved Phoenix Rising to have learned from the mistakes of the last two games, to approach this game with confidence, with intensity, knowing that we'll be there to cheer them on, screaming at our TVs. Enjoy the game, enjoy hearing from Josh Eastern on the TV broadcast and tell your friends that Josh Eastern and John Morrissey will be our all-star dynamic duo analysts for the San Antonio Phoenix Roundup on next week's show. Okay, that's almost it. Before we go, I've got to thank our guests and I've got a special secret message for San Diego Loyal fans. Okay, first of all, our guest. Dominic Kearns, your monthly roundup was awesome. Tony Sanchez from Two Balls on a Mic, you were amazing. Thank you so much. John Morrissey from at USL Tactics on Twitter. You are so incredible. Thank you so much for all you do for this show. And of course, Kelly McCarthy, we couldn't do the show without you. I can't wait for the San Antonio game and I can't wait for next week's show with Josh and John. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends. And if you're a San Diego loyal fan, come a little closer. Just a little closer. I've got a secret. We're going to destroy you when we play you in San Diego. Go Rising! <laughs>